The plot surrounding Devin White continues to thicken that and more on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome into this Tuesday episode of Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen to review every single day. Don't forget you can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow everything on Twitter. I am James Yarko, Deputy Editor of SB Nation's BucksNation.com. On Twitter at JRCO underscore Bucks. Here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, we want to share our appreciation for your continued support of the show. And right now, you can become a locked on Bucks insider, getting exclusive news, inside scoop, all the updates sent directly to your phone, plus one on one conversations with me. Become an insider at joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnBucks. This episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LockedOnNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Coming up on this episode of Locked On Bucks, we are going to stash it and kind of trash it. And, of course, as always, we are talking about Todd. But first, the story surrounding Devin White continues to unfold and Todd Bowles may get the Bucks in a little bit of trouble if he is indeed trying to protect Devin White. So have a lot of quotes about to fly at you, but all of it sets up for the context of what we are discussing on Monday. Todd Bowles was asked again about the situation surrounding Devin White's deactivation for yesterday's game against the Packers. And Todd Bowles said, quote, Devin White told me Friday he couldn't play or Saturday or Friday that he couldn't play. So KJ was starting. That was the end of it. End quote. When he was then asked if White informed him of this after Bowles informed Britt, uh, informed Devin that Britt would start, Bowles said no. Then he was asked about the starter moving forward, and Bull said, quote, when Devin gets healthy, we'll rotate the players and see how it goes. Finally, when Todd Bowles was asked why the information about White's status wasn't updated or communicated with the media, Bull said, quote, it didn't have to be communicated because there was nothing to communicate. He practiced on Friday, he practiced on Thursday, and he said he couldn't go Saturday morning. That was the end of it, end quote. A couple of things to unpack here. First and foremost, the, the, the first red flag that pops up for me is Todd Bowles changing the story throughout these quotes. In the, in the very first quote that I dropped, it was, Devin told me Friday. Then he switched it mid-sentence to, or Saturday, then said, or Friday again. And then later in the press conference, he said that it was on uh, Saturday again. Um, that's that's an issue. The, the next issue that I have is that 
The Buccaneers updated other players' statuses for the game after Saturday morning. So this, much like the Joe Burrow situation that we saw a couple weeks ago against the Baltimore Ravens, this could end up being investigated by the league and the Bucs could face punishment for not properly updating their injury report, which to me says maybe Todd Bowles is trying to protect Devin White from the scrutiny of the media. Maybe what Rick Stroud was reporting was true and that they were going to roll with K.J. Britt regardless of Devin White's health. Devin White said, no, I'm not a rotational player. I'm not, I'm not subbing in for anybody. I'm not playing. Maybe, maybe. We don't know for sure yet, but all of these things are starting to stack up with one another and point to the fact that sounds like Devin White had a case of the I'm taking my ball and I'm going home uh, syndrome after K.J. Britt was going to be the starter. Then you take a look at one of Devin White's former teammates and a guy that played for Todd Bowles, Richard Sherman. He said on FS1, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm not quoting, uh, that Devin White wasn't going to be a rotational guy. He wasn't going to be the team guy. He wasn't going to lose his job. So he sat down and didn't play. And at this point, if Todd Bowles is trying to protect Devin White by talking about how this all came up after they needed to update the injury report and all the thing, it's not worth it. It's not worth it anymore for Todd Bowles to try to protect Devin White. Devin White made it clear that he does not want to be part of this team when he asked for a trade earlier in the offseason. That desire is now being etched in stone. At this stage, you need to keep him on the sideline for the rest of the year and just move on. You start KJ Britt for the last three games of the regular season and then probably in the first round and beyond in the playoffs if things go the way that the Bucs need them to go. And when you have a report out there that Devin White is getting on the nerves of coaches and players, you don't need that guy any, around anymore. This is a team that has faced adversity over and over and over this season. They had a four-game losing streak. They were losing to teams they had no business losing to, and now they are in the midst of a three-game winning streak. They've scratched and clawed and fought their way back to 500. They have the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up. Then they have the Carolina Panthers. Then they have the New Orleans Saints. And I'm going to tell you right now, I wrote about it in my pick six that went up on BucksNation.com uh, Monday night. Uh, it is not crazy. It is not out of the realm of possibility that this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team finishes the season 10 and 7. Yes, I said it. The Buccaneers can finish the season 10 and 7. You have the Jacksonville Jaguars at home coming up, and they are still a tough football team. But Trevor Lawrence is in concussion protocol, and there's a real high likelihood that Trevor Lawrence doesn't play. So that means they're going to C.J. Beathard. Now, they still have Calvin Ridley. They still have Travis Etienne. They, they still have Evan Ingram. They still have weapons. They still have a good defense. But they're a beatable football team, especially with the way the Buccaneers are playing right now. Then you get the Carolina Panthers. Then you have the season ender against the New Orleans Saints, who you already smacked up and down the field in New Orleans. This could be a 10-7 and seven football team, and you don't need a guy in the locker room, on the practice field, on the sideline, that's going to detract from that. This team 
has rallied around one another. And there seems to be, from the outside looking in, from what we're hearing, from what's being reported, there seems to be one guy that's off to the side wanting to do his own thing and not want to be part of this team, part of this rally, and part of this playoff run. That's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. And um, obviously, I reserve the right to change my mind, but I don't really think there's too many things that Devin White could do at this point to change my mind. And one last thing that I'll say before I jump over to the chat, if I'm the Buccaneers, I am not releasing Devin White. I am not waving him. None of that. He's staying on the roster. He's just not going to be active for the rest of the year because I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I'm releasing Devin White and he signs with the Dallas Cowboys or the Philadelphia Eagles or the Detroit Lions. And now all of a sudden we have to face him in the playoffs. Don't want any part of that. He can sit and pout on the side for the rest of the year. And then when he's a free agent, he can go off and play for New Orleans, which is probably where he'll end up or he'll go to Philadelphia. But I, I'm not giving him the opportunity to complain about his foot, complain about being relegated to the sideline, be a distraction, frustrate other people in that building, and then reward him by letting him go sign with a playoff team. Not doing it. So that's that's where I stand on the Devin White situation gonna jump in the chat real quick daytona dad in the chat um saying i will not lose any sleep over devin white being gone i like devin white i do i really truly do he he's a nice guy he was very nice to my son um you know when when my son met him a couple of years ago sent my son a a happy birthday video during the covid lockdown because my you know he couldn't have a birthday party and devin white was his favorite player my wife sent him a video, wished him a happy birthday. It was very kind of him. Uh, I just, I don't know what went wrong in the relationship between Devin and the Bucks. So I, you know, I wish him the best. I really, truly do. But the 2023 Devin White is not the 2019, 2020, 2021 Devin White. It's just, it, it doesn't seem to be the same guy. Uh, Mike uh, in the chat says, love talking to you, James, and not just football. Mike, I appreciate that, buddy. Mike is one of our Locked On Bucks insiders. We uh, we have quite a few chats. We have Cram. Cram? Cram? I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. It says, watching from the Philippines. That's awesome. I appreciate you so much. My, uh, my sister-in-law actually has done a lot of work in the Philippines for her job. She goes over there about once a year. Uh, so she loves it. I, I love seeing all the pictures that she posts. So really, uh, appreciate you watching from, you know, all the way out in the Philippines, but coming up here in a little bit, we are going to stash it. And like I said, we're going to kind of trash it, but not really. You'll see what I mean. That's coming up next here on today's episode of locked on bucks, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. 
You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. And game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. You guys know I'm keeping an eye on those Foo Fighter seats when they come to Cincinnati next year. But also, my dad and I are using game time to get tickets to see University of Illinois take on Ohio State in basketball next year. And we're doing it thanks to last minute deals, all in prices, views from the seat, and the best price guarantee they get. Game time offers taking the guesswork out of buying tickets. They use last minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. It's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. And they are obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of an event or even up to an hour after it starts. It is the place to find last minute seats. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, Create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you again for making Locked On Bucks your first listener view every single day. Make sure that you are checking out the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube courtesy of Locked On. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Richard in the chat, I love this. Uh, you all know Get Live 45 was, was Devin White's thing. Richard says Get Lit with KJ Britt. That is absolutely fantastic. I love that so much. Um, I, I did see one other comment in the chat, and now I can't find it again. Uh, oh, uh, Top Notch says uh kj Britt looks a lot like a younger sheldon corals uh he looks like he could have the pieces to be that i i won't quite give him that yet but you're you're starting to see him develop as a as a legitimate nfl starter again kind of a late bloomer took a little while to get his legs under him get acclimated to the nfl game now that he's getting his opportunity he's really starting to shine and then uh demon hunter said devin white is quan alexander 1.5 i've been saying it i've been saying it on this show for a while i i started throwing out that comparison he's gonna make some some fantastic plays but he's also going to blow a lot of plays for you he's an exciting flashy splash player but uh at the end of the day it is what it is uh, all right, stashing and trashing. Let's start off with stash, and I'm going with this line of play calling from Dave Canales. I talked about it a little bit on the live reaction show on Sunday, but I really love the game that we saw out of Dave Canales as the offense coordinator. 28 passes, 27 runs, uh, absolutely phenomenal balance. The Buccaneers had seven different receivers catch a pass on Sunday, and there wasn't a single player that had a target 
that didn't end up with a catch. And I, I mentioned it for those that, that watched that live reaction or listened to it, but some of you may not have. And one of the things that I point out was the creative play calling. And it was something that we saw a little bit in the preseason that we were excited about. There was a lot of designed rollouts and bootlegs and moving of the pocket and a lot of pre-snap motion. And it started to look like there was some ingenuity. And it seemed like Dave Canales got away from that a little bit. When the regular season started, we've started seeing a little bit more. But the, the play call that I'm going to point to specifically was the Buccaneers lining up in a goal-to-go situation after a big catch by KDOT and got them down to the two-yard line. They lined up in a formation that we've seen at least 10 times this season. And it was it was a run formation. We've seen the Bucs hand it to Rashad White out of this. We've seen the Bucs play action and run the ball with Baker Mayfield on a on an RPO. Um, we it, it's it's been all runs out of this formation in this situation. So what did Dave Canales do? He schemes Coquifed to go to the flat and Baker hits him and they score a touchdown. And that is what Dave Canales was talking about before the season even started, when he got hired in his introductory press conference, running out of passing formations, passing out of running formations, all that creativity that we've been waiting for all season, it showed up in one game. But now you have to keep it going, especially against Jacksonville. I already mentioned they're looking like they're going to be without Trevor Lawrence. And they're going to have C.J. Beathard as their starting quarterback. But the Jaguars are still a good football team. They still have playmakers on offense. They still have a really talented defense with some very, very good pass rushers. And the Bucs have to keep their foot on the gas. So Canales needs to take that creativity that he showed in Green Bay and roll it into the Jacksonville game. Give them some similar looks that he had against the Packers but change up the play and catch them off guard. Put them in a situation where they're like, oh, I saw that in film study, and then boom. It's completely the opposite of what they saw and what they expect. Love seeing that out of Dave Canales. Want to see him continue to grow and develop as an offensive coordinator because it's looking like there's a real good chance that this coaching staff is coming back next year. It's not, it's not a sure thing, but it really looks to be playing in that direction. Uh, to you know, for the trash, I didn't really see anything in this game that I wanted to trash per se, but something that I don't really love right now and I'm keeping an eye on is Yaya Diaby's recent regression. And here's what I mean he had one tackle against the Packers on Sunday last week, only three tackles against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, the week before against Carolina, he did have six tackles and a sack. Love that, fantastic. Week before, one tackle versus the Indianapolis Colts. He had more tackles against the Carolina Panthers than the other three games combined over the course of the last month. And he was red hot. He had a two-sack performance against the San Francisco 49ers, and then he started to fall off. He needs to get that fire back. He needs to get that, that fire that he had where he was, he was a guy that we were starting to talk about as a replacement starter for either Joe Tryon Shoyinka or Shaq Barrett should the Buccaneers move on from Shaq Barrett. Now, he looks like just another guy. 
He he he's not doing anything big. He's not doing anything flashy. There's no splash plays. There's there's really a whole lot of nothing over the course of the last couple of games. And and he's really turning in to another version of Joe Tryon Shoyinka. And that's not going to get the job done. That is not going to help this Buccaneers pass rush. That is not going to hurry a quarterback. It's not going to sack a quarterback. It's really going to do nothing. Now, I'm not hitting the panic button just yet. This is still an incredibly young player who hasn't even played the entire season. And we've seen the flashes, but we need to see more on a consistent basis. Would love to have a big day out of Yaya Diaby against the Jacksonville Jaguars to get this thing back on track. Uh, Demon Hunter in the chat says, James, do you think Dave will go back and try to get that Chris Godwin passing touchdown again? Uh, I'm not going to rule it out. You know, it was, it's a really solid play design, but if they do that, uh, they need to do it out of a different formation. You need to catch them off guard. You can't line up and show them the exact same thing that you've already tried a couple of times this season. And then I did see somebody in the chat talking about the playoffs. I'll touch on that coming up here next on Locked on Bucks. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. But thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions making the process even easier and quicker. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Wrapping things up here on a Tuesday episode of Locked on a Bucks podcast coming to you live on YouTube. A little surprise live episode. We had so much fun on Sunday. I wanted to do it again. But real quick, before we start talking about Todd, Scotty J in the chat said we need two of three down the stretch over the course of the rest of the season. While that would be fantastic, while that would be super fun to win two out of the next three, Here's something that's absolutely crazy. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I want to make sure that I get this number right. I'm going to bring it up on my screen real fast. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a more than 80% chance of making the playoffs, even if they lose to Jacksonville and Carolina, as long as they beat the Saints. How crazy is that? Okay, so, oh goodness, 
I can't now I can't find it. Uh, Greg Allman had been the one that posted it earlier, but just beating the Saints, losing to Jacksonville, losing to Carolina, the Bucs have like an 87% chance to make the playoffs. Um, here it is. Um, if the Bucs simply beat the Saints, again, this is from Greg Allman of Fox Sports. If the Bucs simply beat the Saints at home on New Year's Eve, their odds of making the playoffs are at 99%. Even if they lost to Jaguars and Panthers, they'd have a 92% chance to make the playoffs at eight and nine and a 74% chance to win the NFC South. All of that because of the wins that they have accumulated down the stretch here and beating the Packers was huge because of that tight five-team tie for that seven seed going into week 15. The Buccaneers have set themselves up beautifully. It Barring an unbelievable collapse. We're talking John Gruden era 2009 Buccaneers lost every game for the last month of the season after starting, what were they, nine and five? Um, Monty Kiffin announces that he's going to be leaving after the season to join his son at whatever college his son was coaching in that year. That might have been the USC job. Uh, Bucks lose four straight, miss the playoffs. Gruden gets fired. Raheem, Mo uh, uh, Raheem Morris gets hired. Uh, Josh Freeman gets drafted, and the next decade was absolutely terrible. But uh, I do want to jump into talking about Todd real quick. And I did bring up some quotes from Todd Bowles uh, early in the show, but that was for the story revolving around Devin White. Here are a few things that stood out to me beyond that. And that was that Todd Bowles was asked about the offense during the course of this winning streak. And he said, quote, they are just gelling together. The wide receivers knowing exactly where to be. Audibles are on time. Offensive line playing together. Nobody is really missing a bunch of blocks right now. The confidence has grown as a group as the season went on. Dave Canales is comfortable with them. They're comfortable with Dave. The adjustments, the roles everybody has and moving people around, I think they've grown very comfortable with that, and that's kind of helped us out a lot, end quote. I don't know if I fully agree with Todd Bowles here. And again, some of this is coach speak, but while the Bucks offense certainly looked to be gelling on Sunday, uh, that was that was all kinds of fun to watch. Again, one three and out, one punt in nine possessions for the Buccaneers against the Green Bay Packers on the road in Lambeau. Fantastic. But against the Falcons and the Panthers, not so impressive, not so good. Baker Mayfield wasn't good for large stretches of those two games. I still maintain that in the Panthers game, he was still fighting through that ankle injury that he suffered against the Indianapolis Colts. And the monsoon that hit in the first half didn't really help matters much. But against the Falcons, Baker Mayfield left a lot of points out there on that field. It was not a good performance from him by any means. Now, I would certainly like to see them build off the win against the Packers and drop another 30-plus on Jacksonville. Then we can start talking about how this team is gelling and how they're comfortable in the offense and, and how they're really starting to roll. But the offense wasn't 
much different or overly impressive in the first two wins of this three-game winning streak. So I, I disagree with Todd a little bit. He obviously knows more about football than I ever will. Otherwise, I would be a coach in the NFL. Uh, Todd Bowles is. And so he sees things that I am not privy to. He has conversations I am not privy to. So, you know, I could be wrong. Wouldn't be the first time. Won't be the last time either. But something else that jumped out at me, because I did talk about it on the Sunday live show, and it was a, a discussion in the chat for sure. But uh, Todd Bowles was asked if David Moore had moved his way up to wide receiver three with his play over the last few weeks. And Bowles said, quote, I mean, we still have Palmer there. Moore is a good help. He can make some plays all over the place. He can move around. He has experience in the offense. Um, he has experience. He can play. He has great hands, and he's a good utility guy for us. We rotate guys in and out depending on the packages, but he's a big part of that, end quote. Here's, here's what I'm going to take a look at. Trey Palmer uh, has played in, in all 14 games. He has 29 receptions on 51 targets for 249 and two touchdowns. David Moore has played in four games. He has four targets, three catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, stats would play in Palmer's favor. He gets more targets per game. He has more receptions. He has uh, not as high of a uh, yards per catch average, but that's going to happen when somebody has a third of their catches going for 50-plus yards. But David Moore on the outside is more beneficial to this offense with Godwin in the slot. And, and what I mean by that is that compared to Trey Palmer, Moore is the bigger, more physical receiver, and Palmer's more of the burner, right? He's not going to garner the attention on the outside that Moore will because Moore has... He's more refined in his route running. He's more versatile in his route running. And so lining him up on the outside opposite of Mike Evans and moving Chris Godwin back to the slot like we saw him play a lot over the course of the last two games, it opens things up and creates those mismatches for Chris Godwin. So I'm not saying to cut Trey Palmer's snap counts into like a quarter of what they are. What I am saying is that to have another performance like Godwin just had, 12 targets, 10 catches, 155, he's going to have more of those opportunities with David Moore on the outside, on the field with him, than he will with Trey Palmer. Because with Trey Palmer, all a corner really needs to do is stay back. He doesn't go over the middle a lot. When he does, it hasn't really been all that successful this season. He's more of a one-trick pony. It's nothing against Palmer. He's a young guy in this league still learning. All right, so if you have one trick that you do really, really well, keep doing it while you figure the other stuff out. But down this stretch, these three games and into the postseason, need to see more snaps and more on the outside to create those mismatches and those opportunities and those advantages for Chris Godwin in the middle of the field to really continue to open things up in the offense like we saw against the Packers. I'm going to jump in the chat real quick one more time because we are out of time um we have um we have danny in the chat saying do you think they're going 
they're going to give a extended contract. I'm assuming you're talking about Baker. Um, and I talked about it briefly on yesterday's show when somebody brought up the franchise tag for Baker Mayfield. To me, and I'll get into this more in the offseason because there's going to be a lot of questions about the roster and, and what's going on. To me, the ideal situation is this. If Todd Bowles and Dave Canales and everybody returns, you sign Baker Mayfield to a three-year deal. Nobody freak out. Hang on. You sign Baker Mayfield to a three-year deal worth $50 million. Okay? You have $30 million of that guaranteed over the course of two years. All right? So now you are, you are guaranteed to be paying out $15 million a year to Baker Mayfield for two years. That will give you one of two results. Number one, Baker Mayfield, Dave Canales, they continue to grow, they continue to gel, and the offense continues to improve over the course of that time. Second option, it doesn't work. The coaching staff gets fired, Baker regresses, and the Bucs go 5-12. and 12. Now you have an out. You, you have a situation now where you gave Baker the contract that he wanted. He wanted to stay in Tampa. The coaches liked him. His teammates liked him. It didn't work. You have an out, and he performed poorly enough that you're probably getting a franchise quarterback in the draft, or at least you have a shot at one. So I wouldn't give him a mega deal. He's going to garner some money on the, on the open market for sure. He is the best free agent quarterback heading into free agency. And I say that because of the Kirk Cousins uh, injury issues. We don't know how he's going to recover from that. He's probably not going to be ready for training camp. And a team isn't going to want to bring him in for super big money when they're not going to get him for the full season. So Baker Mayfield is going to be the most coveted uh, quarterback as a free agent this year. The Bucs can lock him up before then. And like I said, he wants to stay in Tampa. You can probably get him for about that $15 million per year guaranteed, but give yourself that out in case it doesn't work. With that, I'm going to bid you all a fair adieu. I appreciate all of you coming through in the live chat, especially on uh, on this surprise live episode. Make sure you're checking out everything that I'm doing over at BucksNation.com. Become a Locked On Bucks insider at JointSubtext.com slash LockedOnBucks. And make sure that you are coming back tomorrow as David is going to be joined by Evan Klosky for a WTSP Wednesday. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, fire the cannons. Thank you so much for joining me right here on Locked on Bucks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. 